Today we're looking at Matthew chapter 12. And uh, from the very beginning as we were looking at this, we were talking about Matthew's presentation of Jesus Christ as king. Okay, that has been Matthew's focus. He is looking at Jesus as the promised king for the Jews. And all through the Old Testament, all the scriptures that pointed to the Messiah coming and uh, Matthew has been just going over and over all these prophecies and reminding us how Jesus is the one that fits it exactly. Okay, there are several dozen prophecies that just his birth alone fits. And then Jesus, as we were looking at his commentary the last couple of weeks through chapter 11, Jesus keeps saying, look at what the scripture says. Am I fulfilling what the scripture said about me? Okay, and then we looked at the... uh, Apostle, I mean, uh, John the Baptist, and Jesus said the same thing. John the Baptist is here. Is he fulfilling what the scripture said about him? Okay, and we looked at ourselves and said, God has a lot to say about what a Christian should be like. Are we living the way that the Bible says a Christian should? Is it, are we fulfilling what it says about us? Well, we looked at uh, Matthew as he's presenting the king, and it's, uh, we talked about the herald of the king and the, the proclamation of the king, and we talked about the gifts toward the king, and we talked about the miracles of the king, and we talked about the tenets of the king. We talked about all these things as Matthew is looking at it, saying he is arrived. Well, Matthew chapter 12 and 13 is a change in the story, and we begin to look at the rejection of the king. Up until this point, uh, Matthew is focused on all the ways that Christ has fulfilled the scripture. Them with leaders who are very well set in their ways, in their traditions, and um, they're not willing to accept Jesus. Well, starting in verse 1. At that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath day entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless. But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. But if ye had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. Ye would have Uh, not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is the Lord even of the Sabbath day. And when he departed thence, he went went into their synagogue. And behold, there was a man with a withered hand. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on Sabbath days that they might accuse him? And he said unto them, What man shall there be among you? That shall have one sheep, and if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is man better than sheep? Wherefore, it is lawful to do well on Sabbath days. And he saith unto man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out, And they held counsel against him, how they might destroy him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray you guide us through your word today. Thank you for the truth that is in your scripture. 
Uh, Lord, help us to have clarity. Help me to share those things which you have uh, laid on my heart to talk about. But Lord, it is not my word, it's yours. So each one of us, Lord, uh, are desiring to learn something new so that we can adjust our lives to be better. And so, Father, as we're looking at this, there were folks who were ready to turn aside the truth of God's word and the truth of Jesus Christ because of religious tradition. And Lord, we are careful. We looked last week at Jesus addressing something very similar to this. That we go by what God's word says and adjust ourselves to that, not because something has been done by people for decades, for centuries. And so, Father, give uh, clarity to my mind. Lord, teach us what we need to know this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So, here we go. Up until this point, everywhere Jesus went, I think I missed one slide. Did it, is it the first slide? Oh, yeah, okay. Thank you. Um, they were watching. Okay, we've seen this. Everywhere that Jesus is going, there's a crowd. But the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders at the time were watching everything that Jesus was doing. They were making account of it. They were there, okay, watching, criticizing, accusing, and plotting against him. And we finally see it come to fruition right here. Now again, Luke, John, Mark have these things recorded too, where they're just watching. They're waiting. They're frustrated because Jesus isn't doing things the way that... <coughs> religious crowd thinks he should be doing them okay and uh we got to be careful I, I, like i said i can point out religious groups in our world today that uh are not necessarily doing things the way jesus laid them out in his word but you know what that doesn't mean that we as a church are always doing things the way god has laid it out in his word one of the things on, I, again and i don't sometimes mean to focus on this so much but right on the back door it says leave changed because anytime you're in the Word of God, we should be ready to adjust to what God's Word says. Not, well, well, Grandma taught me, and in the church I used to go to growing up, they've always done it this way. Yeah, well, we're looking exactly at this story right now in the Scriptures, where a bunch of religious leaders who had been doing something for thousands of years are going, wait a second, this guy Jesus isn't doing things the way we do them. Causes a lot of problems. And Jesus focuses on this, and he deals with this clearly, all right? So let's, uh, they were continuing to take note. They wanted to get him out of the position he was in. And notice the, the verse we just read in the verse 14. It says they were looking not to just discredit him. They were looking to destroy him. At this point, they've seen it. They've been frustrated. They've put up accusations. Now they've actually turned and said, how are we going to get rid of this guy, Jesus? Okay, and it's all because they didn't want to lose their position and power in their religious system, which they had established. Sounds kind of like what we're going on today. Folks, uh, you and I know, and we could be in the same boat. I don't think there's any one of us sitting here this morning who wouldn't admit to this, that at some point in our lives, we thought we had it all for, worked out until God showed us a different way. And there are people that we talk to every week where we say, you know, God wants to use you. There's a sin problem that man has, but God brought something to fix that sin problem. If you would just accept it and believe what he said, he can make things right between he and you. But people don't want to do that. They want to do it their own way. 
And that's the same thing we got going on here with Jesus. These religious leaders said, oh, this is too much. Okay, keep going. Look what it says. Okay, the king has officially rejected the Sabbath day. Now, there's a lot of things in the Old Testament law that the Pharisees and the religious system had forgotten about and wasn't that important to them anymore. But the Sabbath day was one of those things that they gauged spirituality on, right? The Pharisees had seen enough. The law was more precious to them than the lawgiver. But our traditions, the things we've always done, and this is the way it's been in our church for hundreds of years. Careful. It's exactly what they're saying. Jesus, Messiah, was here, and he was starting to correct them on some of their ideas, but they weren't ready to let go because we've always done it this way. Keep going. The obsession with the Sabbath day. Many things were overlooked by the Pharisees, but not the Sabbath. It was a test of their spirituality. And we could read a bunch of verses. If you read through the Gospels at all, they tithe of their mint and they do all this other stuff. But on the Sabbath day, by golly, the Sabbath was very important to them. You kept the Sabbath. You didn't do anything on the Sabbath to the point where it would get crazy. We've uh, talked about some stories before. You weren't able to do any work on the Sabbath. So what would happen was instead of carrying a piece of clothing down the stairs from the room to the, you know, or across the, that was work. But if you put on the piece of clothing, then you're not carrying it, you're just wearing it, so it's not work. Okay, you can travel only so far from your house. Okay, so many steps. But if you tied a rope from your house to the barn, now they're connected, so now you can add steps because it's actually part of your house. Okay, they got all kinds of twisted ways to get around God's word. But the Sabbath was one of those things that was absolutely important. And now we've got a problem. Jesus, in their eyes, has just violated the Sabbath because his disciples were doing something that was a no-no. Okay, and we'll look at that. It wasn't a no-no, but they had, again, put aside God's word and depended on church tradition. I shouldn't say church. It wasn't church then. Religious. Okay? Um, look at what they said. This word, behold, Anytime you see this word in the scripture, I hope you get the idea. It's like, hey, look! Aha! Okay, it was, behold, a virgin shall conceive. Look, guys, this is what's going to happen. It is, ta-da! Okay, that is this idea. So, all of a sudden, Jesus and the disciples are walking through this field, and they pick corn on the Sabbath day. <gasps> you worked on the Sabbath. Aha, see? Now we've got you. Okay, that's the idea. They think, oh, finally. He's talked his way around all these things. We can't get him in the, you know, no matter what we've talked to and accused him about, he's always got the proper answer. But now we've got him because they've worked on the Sabbath. Keep going. Jesus' response. Guys, in Sunday school last week, if there's something that we are trying to impress upon every one of us, and me as well, it's not just us talking to you, is if you want to keep your life straight, if you want to understand what God wants for you, if you want to be wise, we learned in salvation this morning, you have to go to God's word. That is where you get the wisdom. You're not going to get it from men. And the Apostle Paul said that so many times. He says, we're not teaching you with the, man's of, the words of man's wisdom. 
but the word of God. And come next week in Sunday school where we step into all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Okay, look at what Jesus says. So they have this problem. <laughs> Jesus, we got you now. Do you see what your disciples are doing? They're violating the Sabbath. And Jesus says oh, an amazing phrase twice. Have ye not read? Man, I wish I could. There's times, I really, and I, I, because of the way that God works in our church, so many things that Dan says in Sunday school, the hour before this one, play into what God's, I wish I had a recording. I'd play it for you. What Dan, I do have a recording, but there's just no way I could play it. Jesus says, listen, you want the answer to this issue? Go to the word of God and figure it out. Okay, and again, you can come, pastor, what do I do about this? Well, haven't you read what the Bible says? Why do I have to tell you what it says? Haven't you read what the scripture says? Now again, we'll do it because we love one another and we share it, but Jesus, is, he doesn't just jump on this and say, listen, here's what the scripture says. He says, haven't you read what the Bible says? You guys are the religious leaders, right? Scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees, you're the one who's in control of this entire religious system right now of Israel. Haven't you guys read? Ooh, man. Talk about sticking it to you. It's kind of, you ever have somebody walk up and just say, don't you know that? Oh, shut up. Yeah, well, Jesus says, listen. You guys have had the word of God. You've had the law and the prophets and the whole nine yards this whole time. You don't know what the Bible says about this? Well, I, I need that to be that clear because anytime you and I are having a struggle, a question, there's controversies in this world, there's all kinds of these things that are changing in Christendom. And again, I hate to call it Christianity because Christianity is a bunch of Christ-like people. I like calling it Christendom because it's dumb what they're doing. Because it has nothing to do with what God's word says. Jesus is, and please, uh, <laughs> I could spend a lot of time on this. I don't want to. But you know how many people say, well, you know, the Bible's old and outdated and those things don't matter anymore. Uh, the things that Jesus is going to reference here are several thousand years old. And Jesus considers them still applicable today. Last time I checked, the United States of America is not quite 250 years old. And we're trying to say, oh, that's just old teaching. It doesn't matter anymore. Well, Jesus says, well, wait a second. This is a couple thousand years old, and it's still important. The Bible has no time frame to where it runs out. Jesus says, have you not read? Because I'll tell you, I'll talk to, read on my phone, listen to different podcasts and things like that about people talking about how it's just old-fashioned. No, it's truth. And Jesus knew that. Okay, we're going to talk about that more in a minute that there's something that has been established that our country is baby compared to the thousands of years. What is it? Is it next year? We're 250? 76? Two years. Two more years. 250 years old. That's it. Our country's baby compared to what we're talking about time frame here. Okay. 
Notice, he references this. You can read it later. The story was David was on the run. Things had gone on in his family, weren't good. David was looking for, they were hungry, they needed something. David, the king of Israel, comes to the temple. And, of course, in the temple, every day was a table which had bread on it. Okay, it was an offering made to the Lord. Well, the Levitical law says nobody's supposed to eat that. Okay, David comes and said, the king has need. Guess what happened? The king had need, and they ate the food. They ate the bread. Okay, why? Because this, in this ceremonial law, it wasn't that the bread was poisonous or that you, it wasn't nourishing. It was something that was given to God. But a greater purpose had come into play, and they were able to take that bread and eat that and not have a problem. Well, Jesus said, guys, haven't you read that even the bread of the, sh the table of showbread, even though it was given to the Lord, there were times in which that could be used for something more important? Haven't you read that uh, the priests on the Sabbath day, you want to know who did work on the Sabbath day? That other part where it says uh, that they were, um, let's look at that word again to make sure I read it correctly. Uh, da, 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 excuse me. Uh, verse 5. How the priests on the Sabbath day do profane the Sabbath. They weren't sinning. You know who always worked on the Sabbath day? The priests. The priests always had stuff they had to do. Okay, they had the table of showbread. They had to make sure the oil, the candles were lit and all, uh, lit, all the offerings were being given. They worked on the Sabbath. And God said, even though they were working, they were not sinning. Because there are purposes greater than just a tradition in religion. That's the point Jesus has kind of made. So when the king needs something, they hate it. Keep going on slides. So what does the Old Testament say about this instance? Jesus said, have you not read? Well, how about you and I look back and find out some truths about this? So here are the disciples walking through a, a field of corn, and as they're going through it, they're picking up handfuls and eating it because they're hungry. Okay? Well, what does the Bible say about that? Let's keep going. People could eat in the field. Deuteronomy, part of the law, right? When thou comest into a standing of corn of thy neighbor, then thou mayest pluck the ears with thy hand, then thou shalt not move a sickle unto thy neighbor's standing corn. Meaning, if you're walking through your neighbor, somebody in your town's cornfield, and you want to grab a handful of corn on the way by and eat it, that's okay. You weren't able to take any tools and harvest a whole bunch. If you read in that chapter, it talks about grapes, too. You're able to go through and eat some of the grapes. It's just not you're not able to take a bucket full of grapes from them. Okay? God's law. Now, again, please understand, I'm doing this because I want us to see that even the religious system that they were trusting in had forgotten to look at God's word. So if you happen to be cruising through the field of your neighbor and you wanted to grab an apple off the tree or something like that and munch it as you're going through, that was okay. If you decided to take a bushel basket and take a bunch of you were in violation. Okay, that's part of the law. Okay, so here's the disciples walking through the cornfield, taking a couple of hands full of corn and eating it up. Okay, keep going. Leviticus chapter 9 verse 19 when thou shalt reap the harvest of your land you shall not wholly reap the corners of the field neither shalt thou gather the gleanings of the harvest when they you guys know this anybody who studied the book of Ruth I mean yeah yeah book of Ruth you know that the corners of the field were always left unharvested 
Why? Because poor people, neighbors, people who were strangers traveling through, when they got to your field, there would be a little section that you didn't take so that they could grab a little food on the way by. Okay? Kind of nice the way they did it. Okay? Don't completely clean. If you were winnowing the field and some of the corn fell to the ground, you didn't pick it all up. You left it there so somebody who might have need could come by and get it. All right? That's God's provision. See, so far, Jesus is saying, have you read? The disciples are walking through the field. They grab a handful of stuff. They eat it on the way by. Have you not wet, read what the scripture said? This was not a violation. Okay, keep going. Uh, in chapter, in uh, chapter 23 of Leviticus. And when you reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not make a clean riddance of the corners of thy field when thou reapest, neither shalt thou gather any of the gleanings of the harvest, that thou leave them for the poor and for the stranger. I am the Lord your God. So, so far, nothing the disciples have done was wrong. Okay, keep going. One could actually pick on the holy days if you were going to eat it. Not full harvest, but on the first day there should be a holy convocation. On the seventh day there should be a holy convocation unto you. No manner of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat. That only might be done for you. So you're not supposed to do any harvesting or anything like that, but if you were just grabbing something to eat, that was all right on these holy convocations, whether it's the Passover or the Sabbath. It wasn't considered work if you picked one apple off the tree on the way by. Okay, I'm using an apple because I don't think many of us plant grain anymore, do we? Okay, how many of you plant apples? I, I got an apple tree, so I know. Okay, you see the picture? So Jesus himself is pointing out, haven't you guys read what the Old Testament said? Nothing that the disciples have done here is inappropriate. Keep going. Luke shares this same story, and I want so I'm going to throw a, an apparent contradiction at you in a second. Okay? Sometimes these come up, and it's good for us to have the background. Okay? And it came to pass on the second Sabbath, after the first, he went through the cornfield, and the disciples plucked the ears of corn and did eat, rubbing them with their hands. Okay, this brings up an important part. But Luke is also telling this same story where they got upset because the disciples walked through the field and grabbed some corn. Now, here's the apparent contradiction. You ready? Okay, here it comes. This is a doozy. Okay, this is where people just throw the Bible out because this is so, so wrong in their interpretation. Keep going. Corn. Well, this couldn't possibly be corn. Because we didn't discover corn until we came to America. And that's where Indian corn slash maize, that's where we discovered corn. So the Bible is wrong when it says these disciples went through and picked corn. Okay, I've heard it. Believe me, people will try to find anything they can to deny God his truth. Love to talk about it because if you look to the word of God, it always answers it. So... This corn in the Bible, I'm going to give you two answers, okay? Number one, in the Bible, corn meant any kind of grain. Now, just to give you an idea, we just read the verse that the disciples went through the field, picked the, uh, the ear of corn, and rubbed it together in their hands and did eat it. Anybody ever eat an ear of corn that way? No. What kind of grain can you eat that way? Wheat, 
barley, things like that, which grow on an ear, and you just break the kernels off and eat it. Okay? Look at what the scripture says here, John. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of what? Wheat fall to the ground. Okay, the Bible considers grain as corn. All right, so if somebody comes at you and says, well, that, that's a misprint in the Bible, the Bible is incorrect, we're not talking about peeling a kernel of corn with hot butter and salt. Okay. Corn in the Bible would mean any kind of wheat grown, any kind of grain grown. With me? Again, I'm just telling you, throwing that out there because you will read commentaries and you'll hear people say, well, they didn't have corn back then. Well, what's corn, folks, according to the Bible? However, even with that, keep going. Also, Indian corn, maize, can be found in Egypt in drawings back in the 4000s and Maya and Indian art. So even they say corn didn't exist back then, yes, it did. It was in Egypt, it was in India, it was in Mayan, it was here in America. Either way. Now, here's the phrase I told you I would get to it earlier. I alluded to this. Listen carefully to this phrase, and I want you to sink it into your brain and never forget it. The Bible is truth. Okay, now that sounds weird because you might say the Bible is true. No, the Bible is truth. Okay, why is that important? When something is true, it means you compared it to something else to prove that it was true, right? Oh, well, that's true. Well, how did I figure that was true? Well, I looked up the evidence and found it true. You don't need to compare the Bible to anything because it is truth. Everything needs to be compared to the scriptures. Okay, and again, I was watching an interesting video this week about a gentleman who was a scientist who set out, uh, hardline atheist, set out to disprove the scriptures. And his friend, the one who was making the video, said, have you ever read the scriptures? And his answer was no. And I said, well, he said, well, it's very hard for you to say you can fully prove something if you haven't even spent the time to look into it. So the gentleman over the next few years went to the scripture trying to disprove it and came out to be a complete believer because he discovered that no matter how hard he tried, the scripture was always true because it's truth. Okay, that's why it is so important to go back to the Bible. Jesus says, listen, have you not read? If you think something is true, compare it to the Bible and that'll help you. Now, what are we talking about? Church tradition. There are people, I sing with the Cheshiremen, some others, and guys will ask me, well, what's what's difference in your church to other churches? And I say the main difference is, is that we want to know what the Bible says. And that's what's important to us. If the Bible says it, then that's what we believe. If the Bible doesn't say it and guide us spiritually in that direction, then it's not something that we put into our functioning relationship with God. There are churches that have been around for hundreds and hundreds of years that do things that have absolutely no basis in God's word. And you ask them, well, why do you do that? Well, uh, well, because it's true. Well, do you compare it back to the Bible? Because if you do, you find out it's not. 
Now, again, I don't have a problem with it. We do. We stand while we sing. We sit. We put the offering up here. Sometimes we pass the plates. You know, we do all kinds of different stuff here in our church because that's the way it, we do decently in an order. We want to have a nice schedule. Does it say we have to th- sing three songs on a Sunday and stand while we sing them? No. Does it say... Uh, <laughs> Uh, you want to go back to sometimes what the Bible says, they would stand up for the, uh, the entire reading of an Old Testament book and then sit down and listen to hours worth of discussion on the book. You guys would string me up alive if I did that. Okay, stand up for 45 minutes while the book is being read and then we'll sit down for the next couple hours and talk about it. Okay. So there are certain things we do in our church because they're, but they're not biblical meaning we can't find them in the scripture where it says you got to have three songs and then the pastor preaches. Hey, those things aren't that important. You know, if it started snowing right now, I can end my sermon short so we can get home. Well, by golly, you better have your sermon last two and a half hours because there's certain things we do because it keeps things in order. But when it comes to the scripture, there are certain things that happen at other churches that they do just because they've done it for years. And when you look at the Bible, it says don't do those things. Now, I'm just saying that because that's the exact situation that was happening here with Jesus. Jesus, the Messiah, is coming. He's presenting the truth. He's there to minister to Israel and be the captain of our salvation. And the religious system that has existed is rejecting him because they have put into place things that are not in the Scriptures. And that's a warning that you and I need to have. And whether it's in our church, or whether it's in our government, or whether it's in our community, we have to make sure we are still sticking with what God has said in his word. Because the Bible is not just true, it is truth. Okay, keep going. So, the truth about the Sabbath. What is the Sabbath? Okay, how many of you have had to deal with this issue of the Sabbath? I work with... uh, with a gentleman who's a Seventh-day Adventist. Seventh-day Adventists worship and have their church services on Saturday. Okay, because they say that's when you're supposed to have churches on the Sabbath. Okay, there are others. How many of you know that uh, places like uh, Chick-fil-A and uh, Hobby Lobby close on a Sunday? Because they say that Sunday's the Sabbath and we're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. Okay, all wonderful ideas. What does the Bible say about the Sabbath? Okay, I have a funny uh, story about my sister-in-law had all the kids with her, uh, her kids and my daughter and everything, and they're in Florida, so pulls up to the drive-thru at Chick-fil-A. Hello? Hello? (sighs) Waiting, what do you guys want? Blah, blah. No response, backs up, pulls forward. Waiting there for two or three minutes. Pull around, nobody at the drive-thru. And they go to church every Sunday. They know that Chick-fil-A is closed, but they sat there for 20 minutes trying to order something at Chick-fil-A because it was closed on Sunday. Okay, it's always an inside joke we have because, you know, here's my sister-in-law, very well aware of this, but she's just sitting there patiently waiting for somebody to respond. Okay, what is the truth about the Sabbath, all right? It is God picturing that he rested on the seventh day. Okay, I love you. If you want to put any more into that, we got a problem. It is a picture that God rested on the seventh day. That's the key. Keep that in mind. All right? Okay, Hebrews tells us, for he spake in a certain place the seventh day 
on this wise of God re did rest from all his works. God rested on the seventh day. Now here's some, I'm going to run through these. Hang with me, please. We're just going to set the tone of what the Sabbath truly is. Good to learn. Let's go. Okay, it applied uh, to the nation of Israel as part of the Mosaic law. Okay, please understand this. Sometimes we get a misconception of what the Sabbath is. No one before Moses kept the Sabbath. We get this idea because it's, the, it's an Old Testament thing. Not Adam, not Enoch, not Noah, not Abraham, not Isaac, not Jacob, not Joseph. None of them kept the Sabbath. Okay, all those years that they were in, is, uh, in Egypt in captivity, we're talking about over a thousand years nobody kept the Sabbath. Not until Moses was on Mount Sinai and given the law did God describe the Sabbath as something special. And I want this to be understood because sometimes we get this whole thing where, oh, the Sabbath because it's a church tradition or it's an Old Testament tradition. Understand, a lot of the founding fathers of Israel, guys who we have great respect for, guys who in Matthew chapter 11, God says, by faith this person, by faith that person, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, none of them kept the Sabbath. It wasn't until God gave the commandment to the nation of Israel that the Sabbath was considered important. And guys, how many of us know it's part of the Ten Commandments, right? Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. But that is the first time you find it in the scriptures to be reverenced. Okay, all these couple, you know, thousand plus years of all these faith fathers living, none of them kept the Sabbath. All right, and on top of that, it is not for a New Testament Christian. We don't have to keep the Sabbath. Isn't that good to know? Just like today, I didn't uh, clear this altar off here and offer a lamb for a sacrifice and have a burnt offering and sprinkle the blood and we didn't have to have only Dan and I come up into the holiest of all as priests of God and you guys, no. All those Old Testament ceremonial laws were to picture something. Now I told you what was the key to the Sabbath? God rested. That's the key. When it says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Guys, remember when we studied Leviticus? Please tell me you remember when we studied Leviticus. We did it for two and a half years. Okay, The word holy in the scripture means set apart. Okay, He calls up, it's the same word we use for saint. It's the same, this same word that says holy Bible. On my Bible, it's the same word. Does it mean these papers here are something special? If I rub them on a wound, it'll heal it or anything? No. This is something that is set apart by God as special. So when God says, I'm setting apart Saturday, the Sabbath, as something special. Remember that it's special. What is special about it? God rested on the Sabbath. That's what's special about it. Okay, keep going. Oh, I didn't read that verse. Let no man therefore judge you. I put this verse in here because this is the only time that the Sabbath is referenced in any of the church epistles. You can find it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and into the beginning of Acts. But after that, when God's given instruction to the church, there's only one time that the Sabbath is mentioned. And it's mentioned saying, don't let anybody judge you with the Sabbath. Well, you guys aren't keeping the Sabbath. You know why he says that? Because Christians don't have to keep the Sabbath. 
because we don't have to keep the Mosaic ceremonial law. That was for the Jews, not for us. All right, so you with me so far? We want to understand what the scripture says. Now, if there's churches and places that want to honor the Sabbath day, knock themselves out. But it's not something that we have to do. Colossians says, don't anybody judge you in that. If you don't hold the Sabbath as holy, don't worry about it. It was for the Jews. Just like we don't have to kill a lamb outside and sprinkle the blood here inside the church. That was ceremonial Jewish law. We don't have to do that anymore. You with me so far? I don't want, I don't want to go blasting past this until we get it. Okay. It is the seventh day, not the first day. Okay, please understand this. It has never been transferred. We as Christians have taken it and made it Sunday because Sunday is the day that we come to worship. It's the day that the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead. It's the day that Paul says we should gather up the offerings. It's the first day of the week. And when you talk about the first fruits and giving the first unto the Lord, this is why we worship on Sunday not because it's the Sabbath. Okay, the Sabbath has always been Saturday. It has never changed because in this Gentile world that we live now, we don't go by the ceremonial law. The Sabbath isn't important to us. So as many of these blue-collar laws that said don't work on Sunday because it's the Sabbath, thank you so much for giving us a day off, but Sunday is not the Sabbath. Never has been, never will be. You... I, challenge you and again when i was working with gentlemen who were in the seventh day adventist church and uh, as we were doing some volunteer work they're standing right next to me the pastor of the church asking me about the sabbath and i said you go find me verses that say this and i'll change our church because if you can show me in the bible where it's true we want to follow what the scripture says okay you don't get together and have church services on the sabbath because it never says that and Sunday is not the Sabbath because it never says that. Okay, you with me so far? Again, is it great that we have a day of rest on a Sunday and, and our culture has given us that? Sure. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'd like more than one day of rest. I don't know about you. You know, Saturday, Sunday, some people think Friday starts the weekend. I don't care. Okay, when we come to the truth of the scripture, Saturday is still the Sabbath. All right, it is the picture of the future rest. God has a plan for this world. He's laid it out very clearly. And he said, there's going to be a bunch of stuff that happens. And then at the end of all of that, when all the work is done, you will enter into my rest. And you can hear that multiple times in the scripture where God says, you will enter into my rest. Go to the Psalms, go to Proverbs, different places. Someday you and I, now, remember I told you I picked a couple of songs this morning to sing? When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. There's some day where you and I are going to rest with God. So God, in the very beginning, Genesis chapter 2, creates this world, and on the seventh day when his work was done, and we just read it in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 4, God created the world, and on the seventh he rested. When all the work was done. Well, guys, he's picturing the fact that when his work in this world is done, that there will be a time for rest. How many of you are familiar with the phrase that we put on gravestones 
that is R-I-P. Rest in peace. Okay? The reason for the Sabbath is not because God wanted worship on the Sabbath more than any other day. The reason for the Sabbath is not because he didn't want us to carry a sweater down from upstairs to downstairs or grab a handful of grain off the side of the tree or an apple and something and get something to eat. It was because he's always, always, always been picturing when the, everything is finished, there is a time of rest. It's looking forward to our time in heaven forever with God. That's why he gave it to us. He says, remember it, keep it special. Because someday, if you understand the truth of God's word, you can spend the rest of eternity, the rest, I know that's a play on words, of eternity with God. That has always been the picture of the Sabbath. Okay? When you and I, when we were in the book of Leviticus, we studied real hard on God sevening something. Um, you ever pinky swear? Okay, kids do that, or what I wish we did more often and didn't have so many stupid lawyers in this world is when a handshake meant something. Now you've got to have a document that's 400 pages long to make sure everybody's you know, little thing is covered. Listen, when God said, I seven something, God's pinky swearing. God's handshake. That's what the seven means to God. That's why seven is the number of completion. Some people call it the number of perfection. Why? Because when God finishes something, it's completely finished. Well, someday soon, maybe sooner than later, God's going to complete his work here, and we're going to go into rest. That's why we have a Sabbath, all right? So I just want to make sure we understand that as a church. So when anybody ever come up to you and say, well, this is the Sabbath day, and it's a Sunday, you can go, well, thank you for that. <laughs> but we know what it truly is according to the Bible. All right. Now, with all that in mind, for a Christian, we don't live by religious tradition. I'm going to say that one more time. We don't live by tradition. You know, I am so happy that I don't have to live by religious tradition. You know how many laws are in the Old Testament, in the Torah and all the rest of the Old Testament that we would have to keep track of? The Jews who learned that from the very beginning couldn't do it. How many of you can keep the Ten Commandments? There's just ten of them. Anybody got those under your belt? You know, that thou shalt not lie. I got that one, boy. And I just violated it right there. The law was never so we can keep it. The law was to remind us we can't keep it. I'm so glad we don't have to try that anymore. Okay. We live in the love of God and the Lord of the Sabbath. Did you catch that in here? I want to look at a passage with me. Matthew chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. This is what we were just reading in the Bible. But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. Jesus himself is saying, listen, you got this place of worship, this religious structure here that you set up to do all this traditional worship in. And he says, you realize there's one standing here that's greater than this temple? He's speaking of himself. Remember we said they so concerned about the law, they forgot about the lawgiver. Jesus says, I'm here. Messiah. Why are you so worried about tradition? 
keep going. But if you had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. I love this. My job is to do what Jesus wants me to do, not religious tradition. And Jesus says, listen, Messiah is standing right here in the temple, one that's greater than your religious system. I'm Lord of the Sabbath. He said, if you'd understood what this says, and we'll look this verse up in Hosea, we'll look it up in a minute, that God says, listen, I'm not so interested in your sacrifice. I'm interested in you. How many times have we said, guys, when we were a couple of months ago, God is much more interested in you being who he wants you to be than doing what he wants you to do. You can do a lot of stuff religiously, but God wants you to be the person, not just do. And the problem with religious tradition is it's a bunch of doo-doo. God wants you to be the person he wants you to be. That's what this verse is talking about. Jesus says, I, I'm not so interested in the sacrifice. I'm interested in the mercy that I've showed to you that you show to others. Keep going. Romans chapter 3, verse, uh, I mean 13, verses 8 through 10. O man, O no man nothing, but love one another, for he that loveth one another hath what? Fulfilled the law. That's just, it's not about keeping a bunch of traditions. It's about the love of God. If you would love the way I loved you, you're fulfilling the law. Look at this. Keep going. Thou shalt not commit adultery uh, for this. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. If there be any other commandment, any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Last little bit of this. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. They had got so trapped into their religious tradition that just doing those things was all that was important. Now this is important because next week we're going to get into and cover the fact that Jesus decided to heal this guy on the Sabbath day. How crazy is this? The Messiah, King of kings, Lord of lords, is actually going to bless somebody with healing one of their physical. And they're complaining about it. And Jesus says, man, guys, you completely misunderstand God's purpose for all this. He says, you do good on the Sabbath, right? Because if you're holding up the commandments and the traditions over loving the people that God sent you to. And we're going to look at this in a little while where he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees! Because you're punishing the poor and you're forcing them to keep... And you don't have any care in your heart for people. You're just pushing them to live by tradition. we got to make sure that that's not our goal. Church tradition, that we're ready to live in the love of God and by the Savior Jesus Christ, okay? Uh, lesson here. Oop, keep going. Go back Lesson, keeping religious tradition is not as important as knowing the one who gave us all these traditions, right? And now you can go. Jesus quotes from Hosea 6.6. 6. This is the verse that Jesus is directly quoting from. For I desire mercy and not sacrifice and knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. 
So tie this in, and I can't help it because Dan in Sunday school just got done looking at what Paul was telling Timothy. And he says, you know what? That wisdom you had from a child, from your grandmother and your mother who grew, brought you up understanding the scripture, the wisdom that we get from God's word, he says, I'm so much more interested in you knowing me than just completing sacrifices. So you read the question at the bottom there. Do you know, do you know Jesus is Lord? Because I'll tell you what, as much as it breaks my heart, and again, I am not perfect, and I'm not saying I got this down. I'm stumbling over this every day, trying to live my best for the Lord. But there are so many people who think because they're doing one or two or three traditions for their church that they're all set with God, and all God wants to do is get to know them and them to know him. Paul told Timothy, listen, learn about God. Dig into his word. Understand who he is. If I'm going to be a Christ-like one, a Christian, doesn't that mean I need to know what Christ was like? Not just doing a couple of traditions that some church organization tells you you should do. Jesus says, have you not read? What does the Bible say? You and I need to be more and more like our faith. He says, man, know God. If you want to be someone who reflects who Jesus is, we got to know him. And you don't do that by following a couple of church traditions. And I say that about our church too. Guys, if you're coming here just because you have to, because you think you're earning brownie points with God, <laughs> how many times have we said this, and I'll say it again, um, when I get up in the morning and I see my wife for the first time that day, I don't go through a routine, oh, thou wife that art in the kitchen, wouldst thou please bestow upon thy humble spouse a glass of orange juice? And then I walk into the kitchen, you know, into the living room and do some sort of traditional thing for her, which I do every morning to prove my love toward her. Okay, and I buy her flowers on, uh, what do you call it, Valentine's Day, because you have to, because that's how you prove your love to somebody. Does that really prove love to anybody? Just going through, walking through a couple of things that have to be done? Or is a proper marriage based upon an open relationship because you know that person and you love that person? This is what God wants. And Jesus is really laying this out heavy. The disciples who were walking and living with Jesus every day were just functioning in real life following the Savior. These religious people were too worried about the fact that they plucked a couple of pieces of grain off a stalk on the way by and munched on it. And they were ready to throw Jesus to destroy the scripture said, because of, of their church traditions. They weren't interested in getting to know Jesus as their Messiah. They were too interested in what they were used to doing, and by golly, you better not violate it. And that's why we talk about all the time here at our church, when you get into God's word and read it, let it change you. Don't go to God's word, a preconceived idea. When you read something and say, well, we've always done it this way. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, the Bible must be wrong. How about go to the Bible and go, oh, the Bible says something different than what I was thinking. Maybe I better change my thinking. 
So we're going to keep going on this next week because Jesus does a great miracle on the Sabbath and it even rubs them further the wrong way. But understand, the whole point today is if you and I are basing our lives on a bunch of religious activities and traditions, we're missing out because God wants us to be close to him because of who he is. He loves us, wants to be a part of our daily walk. Not just, don't just buy him flowers on Valentine's Day. Get to know him. Get in his word. Learn what it is to be a Christ-like one by knowing what Christ is like. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And Lord, I, I don't mean to stand up here at all and talk about being an authority in this. Your word is the authority. That's the key. Father, I'm struggling this every day. I am not the person I should be. I need to keep getting better. I need to keep working at it. But Lord, I can't base it upon things that have happened or some religious ideas that are in some church handbook somewhere. Father, it's about becoming more and more like you. And the only way that's going to happen, Father, is we learn who you are. That verse behind us said that you are more interested in us knowing you than just carrying out sacrifices and traditions. So, Father, we started out our Sunday school time singing a song that we love to sing. But how true it truly is. The song is just a closer walk with thee. Grant it, Jesus, it's my plea. Daily walking close to thee. Let it be, dear Lord, let it be. And so, Father, please help us as we come more and more like you because we love you and we want to be in that kind of relationship. And Father, help us as we go out into this world to share who our Jesus truly is. He's not just a bunch of rules. He's a real person who changes lives. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Go tell somebody about Jesus. Live your faith out there. And if nothing else, glory to his name.